What is up, Fade to Gray family? This is Chris, and I want to talk to you about something we've been telling you about all season long, and that's Brian from BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com. He can help you set up a budget, learn how to invest your money, and even help you understand your retirement. And they don't just work with individuals. They work with businesses and nonprofits as well. What's awesome is that they're never going to cold call you or spam your email. You tell them your needs, your hopes, and dreams, and they will provide you with their best options at your convenience. Listeners of Fade to Gray can call 413-977-9967 and ask for Brian, or you can email him directly at brian at bfs-team.com. And that's Brian with an I. And mention the podcast to receive a free consultation. That's hundreds of dollars in value. Services are available or licensed. Look, you have no excuse not to get your finances in order. Visit BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com and let them remove your financial fears today. Ladies and idiots. This is the Fade to Gray podcast. Everything will be aces. Let's get faded, guys. Hell yeah. He has many, and I mean many, leather-bound books on shelves made of rich mahogany. Now you've heard of gay conversion therapy. Well, this is gray conversion therapy. I think you're going to like it. I'm not braver than you. I'm just drunker than you. And you're fabulous. You deserve to be called you're fabulous. What do you think about the podcast? It sucks. Nice. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fade to Gray. We've got Omar, Seth, and me, Andy, here at the roundtable today. We are joined by, I would say, the world's most uh, renegade creative, also known <laughs> as maybe maybe the most... Let me finish. Just let, me, let me finish. Let me shower you with accolades first. He's, he's got the thickest booty in all of the BC universe. That one's His true. name is James <laughs> Whiteman. Welcome, James Whiteman. Thank you so much for having me. Ow! And so when you say biggest booty in the BC universe, was that like proportionate to bo- like the rest of my body, I would say? Are we saying BC is a, a black cock universe? I wasn't sure what are we doing here. <laughs> um let's let's call it the bad Christian universe. Let's let's play it safe here. Let's <laughs> play it safe. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice We've... video, Mike, Andy. Oh, do you like that? It's a road. That's yeah, a... it's a road directional mic. <laughs> That's amazing. That's some some background to all of our listeners. I record That's on frugal a... frugal audio. Dude, I'm telling you, I don't want to spend any extra money if I don't have to on this podcast. <laughs> it's not Which, a bad hey, idea. I might I might try and do that next time I'm on a podcast. You know, and all you got to do is grab your uh, external recorder and plug it right in. And cool. it works. Very, I'm already very learning something on here. That's well, right. the first thing we're going to do, other than, yeah, first thing, if you guys start trying to start a podcast out there and you have a really nice mic for your camera already, just use that because Andy comes through with some of the best audio. Pod- podcast anyway. hack right there. And you can hear my voice crackling <laughs> even better on this mic. I just conned <laughs> myself into like you know thousands of dollars worth of audio set up in here without having to do anything. Dude, yeah, yeah all you have to do is get hired Where are you at right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan's well, been welcome, on the podcast, James. right? Yeah, tell the listeners where you're at right now. I James. am in Dan Koch's studio in the Seattle area. Uh, I think Dan is a friend of the pod, as I'm assuming. Um, staying with Dan for just a little bit, couch surfing around the Seattle area, and we just went and had a big breakfast, and then he set me up in his studio. 
That's nice, awesome. Nice. Yeah, I can, in I full can, transparency for our listeners, right before we went live, you said, uh, excuse me if I do shit my pants while we're talking. Yeah, so. I'm going to try not to shit my pants. Exactly, exactly. Um, so James and his giant peaches, uh, we have... Juicy we have, J. Juicy J. We kind of... J with a delicious booty. We like nicknames, and especially for you, because you're one of our favorite people. At least you're one of my favorite people. Oh, so gosh. what is what is your favorite nickname that somebody has has ever bestowed upon you? Well, favorite is a is a weird descriptor term. Um, I mean, the one I was most fond of was uh, I I had like it my or maybe the one that was the most you know the most used by everybody was Jammies. When I was in high school and like early college, people called me Jammies. Um. Would but you just I, had wear a, onesie I had everywhere? a bunch. I had a bunch uh, in my younger years. Uh, legs was one of them, and I don't remember the origin of that. Um, but then the best one was flames, which was sh- a short derivative of flaming homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And who who gave you that nickname, dude? You know, like if you're, you know, in high school, like you have like some friends that are like kind of like asshole bullies, but also like still kind of your friends because you want to be accepted and mm-hmm. you want everyone to like you. So you put up with it. Yep. It was like those guys that like were really mean and terrible, but like I had to, I had to just deal. See, that's why my nickname for you is that Juicy J, because you just have so much like swag. It just drips from you. You just have so much <laughs> sauce. It just drips. So was it because your friends just they couldn't handle sweat. all the sauce? Not sauce, is yeah. sweat. <laughs> sweat and beer. It's a good combination. Sweat and beer. I like that. So, James. I'm just uh, a sweaty guy. We, uh, we brought you here today because you're probably, I don't know, one of the the One most the, important person that's ever been on this podcast. Uh, I would say it definitely you're you're way more important than Joey Svensson, for sure. Just way under Barack Obama. Important. Oh, you're you're way all above the Barack. all the Joey hate, man. I don't know, man. Has Joey been on here? Yeah. I think. <laughs> Did it, has he been here? Really? Maybe. Season 1. Season oh, 1. Okay, yeah, we actually I think we did delete that episode, right? Like we talked about. <laughs> so Spence. no but you you are you're a standout dude to us because we know you from kind of like the bad christian universe we we kind of started our podcast because of that whole deal uh i wouldn't say because of it but we were inspired um but you you got hooked up with them somehow some way through all of your hard work uh some random punk rock kid from chicago um, so originally from small hell... town Nebraska. Oh, really? Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that actually makes it way more interesting for me. Because... Twelve, twelve kids in my graduating class of high school. Wow, dude! You how does a me, kid man. from twelve graduating seniors go to making a documentary for Emory? Where does that even start? Were you were you at local shows with a camera? What the hell even happened? How does that begin? Um, uh, it's a good question that I don't actually really know the answer to, um, cause I think about it all the time. Like, how did I, how did I get so lucky? Cause I never had a thought of, you know, something bigger. It wasn't like a cliche, like movie, you know, like, um, what's that Jake Gyllenhaal movie with when they launch rockets? Oh October, yeah. October, October Sky. Sky or whatever. Yeah. It wasn't like that, you know, like that internal, like, oh, I'm going to get out of this town. Like I need to escape kind of a thing. I never even had that thought. 
um i I think it mostly it was just like i I wanted to do something different and exciting and uh i found out about a house in atlanta that was like an incubator like communal living house for christian freelance filmmakers and the guy that ran it um was actually at the conference if you guys saw him Uh, his name is isaac Dietz, and he used to do videos for family force five uh he's done music videos for lecrae um a lot of different people but i knew who i knew who he was and i found out that he was running this house for for you know kids that were kind of like me that were coming from nothing and didn't know what they wanted to do or where they wanted to get to but needed some kind of a shortcut or like a leg up or a you know mentorship or just a community that could kind of steer them in the right direction and i just kind of didn't have anything better to do so i just moved to atlanta and i did that and that was i mean more or less the 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 chapter break or act two of life were you working uh, on video start. at that time already? Were you deep into video or were you doing something else? Creative? Not before I moved. I had done a few things just for fun. Like I'd edited some like Nebraska football videos just because I thought it'd be interesting and like a fun, you know, hobby. Some um, highlight reels or something. Yeah. Uh, so I'd done like a few small things just like, like, you know, like you make fr- like videos with your friends, you know, like just filming people doing stupid shit in the backyard and stuff like that. So was it um, a faith-based thing then? Like, it was. Did, I mean, it was. It was loose. It was. You know, there was a lot of freedom, but it was. It was. Uh, the pillars of that house were uh, faith, film, and friendship. Okay. So, was, so which part of it was what drew you there the most? Then would you say out of the the faith or the 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 film or the friendship? Which one was it that you'd say? I think it's just like, like the vibe. The like you know, I'm actually kind of starting. I'm gonna do something similar back in Atlanta, like in May. So I'm, I'm moving back there and starting a you know kind it's of creative house, house of my own, um, but I think it's just the like people living an unorthodox life together and having like camaraderie and community of like breaking the rules and not being a part of the stuff that you know kind of sucks people dry in the world, like not having yeah. nine to five, but having a community of people that don't have a nine to five. You know, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like the conference. It's sure. like yeah. everyone's in this weird little world that feels like a, an escape, but we're all in it together, and we're all you know. It's like I don't know. It's just a bond. It's a bond that you get from, and everybody shares house responsibilities. Yeah. type of a thing. Yep, and everyone's so you, just you in learn it together. Responsibility that way, and and then you have a lot more time to focus on whatever studies it is, and really devote your your time, your craft to the art. Yep, and yep. I'm, it's really good for like art type societies. I sure. am obsessed with communal creativity um and it doesn't have to be just living in a house but all i want to do is just make cool shit with my friends you know like for the rest of my life that's the only thing i and, really care and you about. get that opportunity i mean that's that's awesome with what you're doing now with uh what would jesus sell documentary mm-hmm. that you know uh, which um since i'm bringing it up shout out to one of our patreon su- supporters george uh, we were talking earlier. We we're like, "Hey, yeah, we got James on. Does anybody have any questions?" And you know, you know who George is. George Barranova. Barranova. Yes, sir. I do know. He's butchering that name. George Barracuda. Georgie Bahama. Barnes and Nova. George Barnes and Noble. So anyway, he wants to know, and I think it's almost the exact quote, like. 
when the fuck he's going to get his movie? <laughs> <laughs> he said after investing a year ago. But well, here's we an know, inside. We know. Here's an inside scoop. What would Jesus sell actually belongs to George Barnes of Casanova. <laughs> he wow. owns 100 percent of all the rights and all the money. No one knows this. This is an exclusive. <laughs> so, so your main producer wants to know what the fuck's going on with his movie then. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, we can talk about the doc. Uh, actually, the reason I'm in Seattle is just to work on this project. Um, we did a lot of work over the summer and then had to take a break because I, and this is not a complaint at all, but I'm yet to make a single dollar from working on this and, you know, need to pay my bills. So through the fall, uh, I had to just kind of put that on the back burner so I could just work on stuff to survive and uh, actually just kind of really fortunately fell into a nice position with a temporary job for a few months that paid me enough to have some savings and be able to turn down other stuff uh, going forward. But anyways, um, as soon as I got here, that's pretty much all I've been doing um, for the most part. And uh, I'm in the office with Matt Carter every day and we've been going through tape. Uh, We've got a lot of, we've added some producers on that are going to help with, various roles for the project and um as far as when it's going to be out <laughs> i mean i mean yeah it's a that's lot a, of work that's I mean, a that's I, a grand it was a joke mystery. obviously yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. that's a really weird mystery i'm not even thinking about it because all we can think about right now is what the next step is in front of us because it's such a big project mm-hmm. but you know even when we have a, a rough cut or even maybe a final cut it could still be another year and a half until it's actually publicly released because, you know, you have film festival circuit, you you try and get distribution, you know, and like, and I don't even know about how most of those things work very well. We have other people that are involved that, you know, know how to do like the festival circuit and how to like, you know, have someone pay for your project and stuff like that. But anyways, um, it'll be a long time, I imagine, until there's a you know, something you could buy on iTunes or buy a Blu-ray of or whatever. But anyone that backed it, you know, we'll, we'll be posting updates. Anyone that backed at a certain level, I think has like, you know, invites to screenings that we'll do in the future. Um, but I have no idea when it's coming out. So yeah. the only thing yeah. I can promise no, is I, mean, it will, like, it I wasn't will expecting someday. an actual answer and you, you gave me a very, I was very hoping for a go to hell, George. It. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, Screw you, buddy. But no, I think that like sounds like there's a whole lot of work, but it also has to be a lot of fun too. I mean, yeah, it's great. This film talking to these bands and like going through this stuff. It's really like my, it's my dream project at this point in my life, and my dream project that is three plus years in the making. So wow, three years. Well, we we did a uh, all the stuff that was in the trailer we shot in March of 2016. Really? So, I came up with the idea of February of 2016. This documentary then, is your idea? Yeah. Bro. It's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. That's why yeah. I I knew that. That's why I have mad respect for what you're doing. And I know that like a lot of like well, thanks, good man. documentaries take like years, like sometimes like 10 years to make, you yeah. know, but, but it's worth it because you're compiling all of the, the footage. You're not just rushing through, like trying to slap things together and put it out there. But yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, we've already got, work. we've already got like 25 hours of tape Yeah. Okay. and wow. we'll probably get another 25 
and it's all you know it's for a maybe hour and a half long project so it's like it's the so art of that, curation what does that look like when you bring that to matt or whoever else maybe uh somebody else maybe even matt mcdonald i don't know who you you pitched that to first what does that look like how, how do you go from it being an idea in your head to getting the cojones to say, I'm just going to spitball this idea with them and see if they're yeah. into it. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it's actually a, it's actually a somewhat funny story. I came up with the idea because Emery was playing this music festival in Dallas called. So what fest, which is like a kind of a warped tour esque, like two day thing at a baseball park in Dallas, you know, lots of hardcore bands, lots of pop punk bands and stuff. And I really wanted to go. And I was trying to figure out what can I do to get Emery to pay for me to go to this festival? Because I wasn't making any money and I really needed, you know, like the only way I was going to be able to make it was if they paid for me to come. And that's literally how I came up with the idea for this documentary. I love that. <laughs> Typical creative person. Like, how can I use my it's, skill to get something? It started so selfish. It started so selfishly. Like, I didn't care about anything other than, like, I just want to go to that fest because it seems amazing. Oh, it was also under a second show back. So I was oh, like, I have go. to go. I have to, I have to be there. And I was Did like, you I, make need it happen? With, I need to come up with a project or a pitch or something that I can give to them where they'll be like, eh, yeah, sure, we'll pay for you to come or whatever. Um, so that was like the impetus of like thinking about this idea, but then it, it did quickly morph into like, Oh, wait a second. This actually could be something really, really cool. And, um, was that before you got to the festival or did you think it could yeah, be something yeah, yeah, cool yeah. at the festival? No, it, it, um, that was just an internal thought for a few days or something like that. But then when I, when I did start thinking about this, it just made so much sense because like, you know, I grew up in this world as a consumer and loved everything about it and these guys you know grew up playing in it and i've grown out of it but like it's something that i you know am familiar with very closely it's something these guys are familiar with very closely and bad christian has a platform that prides itself on like honest conversation and like you know getting to the real meat of an issue so i was like who else would be better to do this like I was, it was almost. It didn't. It didn't feel pretentious, but it was almost like if we're not going to do it, then no one will, because like, who else would want to? We're the perfect. So divine to intervention, you'd say? Maybe, maybe <laughs> it was a total god thing. You know. Well, I mean, that's my question. I mean, as you've been working on this, compiling all this footage, I mean, what would you sell? For those who don't know, I mean. It's going to be in the show notes, the links and everything. But like, it's basically actually you you explained to us exactly the tag, what is this documentary about yeah. before I ask my question. The tagline is exploring the intersection of art, faith, and profit. So it's about Christian music, and it's just a it's a dive into the history and the goofiness and the struggle and the commerce and all the elements of the the business of christian music so seeing all this and immersing yourself in it you said about 25 hours of footage now we're gonna get about 25 hours more and with what you explained a little bit that you did about your kind of cult-like experience your communal living mm -hmm. uh faith experience um how has all of that shaped your faith now and, and what you believe and um 
basically as you've been listening to these different stories seeing the behind the scenes look yeah seeing yeah. the dirty like, nitty gritty yeah for sure i'm sure yeah. that's that's changed a lot how's that like shaped who you are and how you look at like god and christianity um i think it's mostly it's a tough question that i don't have a a very insightful answer to i don't think but i think it mostly has given me uh like peace that there's nothing wrong with like with my experience of frustration with Christian faith because all of my peers and all of my heroes, like once I've gotten to know them, have gone through the same thing and have kind of paved the way for me to be able to do that. So that's, you know, that's true of the guys in Emory. That's true of a lot of people that, you know, were in bands that I listened to as a kid or like that are still in bands, um, you know, that I've interviewed for this or like just interacted with in some other capacity in the music industry. But I think the biggest thing is it's given me a, you know, a safety and a connected connective tissue uh, with people that I really respect and trust as, you know, people of integrity or of principle or whatever Uh, being like, Oh yeah, they, they also are a little jaded, a little, frustrated a little you know burnt out on trying to die this you know emotional dive or or whatever element of it it is um so kind of like a sense of hope with a community like you found community yeah. like-minded people yes does it almost solidify you said it makes you feel like you're okay it's like oh i'm not yourself. the only one okay cool yeah. awesome that's really good to know um because i what does that do to your faith one. though does it kind of make you more secure give you more peace about even what you believe like that uh no i don't know anything about what i believe anymore <laughs> i mean i still like i still i still call myself a it's Christian, confused but... me that people love me <laughs> yeah um i still consider myself a christian but i also am i'm also running away from spirituality to some degree because it's like it's a little messy and it's a little like, you know, I had, it's like, I was like, man, I put in a hundred thousand hours into this thing already. And then I ended up at this place that doesn't make any sense. Like, why do I want to keep doing this? It's like it's frustrating. And are you um, using the, the, if you put in a hundred thousand hours or whatever to something, then you'll be an expert at it or you'll be whatever at it. You'll be, you know, hands down, you'll be secure in it because putting in that much time and then, and having it kind of blow up in your face or have you realized something you're just like, well, yeah, exactly. What the hell was that all about? Look at all the years I've wasted. But yeah. something good comes from it, community. Sometimes it's hard to, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's tough to not feel like I wasted my time. And and that was like a huge mistake. But I don't feel that way. Um, I mean, What was I, the catalyst to make you start questioning to, to begin with? Like, I mean, it sounds I've like always, you were questioning before you, before you even started the documentary. So it I've always been that guy. The, I've never been able to help it. I've always been like, okay, but what about this? You know, I've always been the devil's advocate, like, like status quo challenger. I've just never fit in and I've never, I've tried, you know, like I've tried to play that game and I've tried to be someone I wasn't in a lot of different contexts in my life, like in high school and college and, you know, young adulthood and stuff. Um, but I, deep down, I've always been the one that's like, no, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I mean, the way you test the strength of something is you is you put as much force against it as possible. That's always been my, you know, mentality with any kind of thought in the world. 
Like, does this hold up? Let's see. Like, what's all the arguments against it? I'm going to embrace those. I'm going to wear them. I'm going to push against it. I'm going to see if it lasts or not. And most things haven't. Most versions of Christianity that I've experienced haven't stood up to the force of the relentless, you know, criticism. And what was that first experience where you were told to kind of, do you remember that experience where you were kind of told to, to be quiet? Don't ask that. Or, you know, that's, that's too in-depth of a question or you're not supposed to ask that. What does that first time look like for you when you're younger? I don't think it was ever, I don't think it was ever that explicit. It was always just like a, like a passive social shunning. Mm. Like, it wasn't anything anyone ever said to me. It was just, like, an intuition of, like, I know that I'm not allowed to do this. But that's what makes you want to do it even more. I can just tell. Yeah. But I also just am kind of a coward, and I don't have the guts a lot of the time. Like, they were more annoyed (laughs) of the question than they were, like, shunning you. They were just, like, like, why why are you even asking I don't know what the first time – I don't know what the first time was. I do remember one time sitting at, like, a lunch table in the cafeteria in college – and people were talking about like prostitution or like sex slavery or something like that. And uh, I didn't have any belief or a position, but I brought up a hypothetical of like, would it, you know, like, would there be value in legalizing prostitution? And I swear to God, <laughs> this girl sitting across the table from me dropped her fork. <laughs> it was like a movie. <laughs> it was like, you know, it just makes this like clanging sound like, the, like wide open. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, "What?" And here's and here's <laughs> and little like James just trying just... to do a thought experiment at the lunch table. Yeah, and it was like, "Oh, okay." Now, was that because you <laughs> went to a private school? No, it was a public school, but it was it was small town Midwest, yeah. so it was very, uh, very uh, big, big Christian dynamic. Uh, yeah, you said you're in. You were born and raised in Nebraska, right? All right. Yep. Northwest Missouri here, so you know. Okay. Uh, I can I can identify with that. A uh, little bit less teeth and a little bit cor- less corn. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit more mountains. See, that's <laughs> such a different. It's it's so weird because when I when I got into this whole like BC universe, whatever, blah blah blah, I felt like it was a lot of Midwest and Southern people rebelling against this crazy shit that they saw in church. But here I am raised in California near Sacramento and I didn't see a whole lot of the things that you guys experience yet. I still had yeah. that distaste and distrust and wanted to ask questions. And I guess I have a similar story to you too. Just you kind of fall into a community of, of creatives and that's kind of your home. But um, it is interesting to, to hear the, just the stark contrast of even just states and how churches and Christianity function. Like what, what was oh, there yeah. ever a time in your church where uh, you were reprimanded for even uh, staying out late or like, did you ever play in a worship team and play a wrong chord? Uh, like s- something happened where it just, it's just a negative experience. I know I, I just asked you about, you know, questioning, but have it, was there an experience that just pushed you away from it completely well, I was always so desperate for a for an us. I was always I was always so desperate for a team to belong to. That's a big part of why I became a mm-hmm. Christian because it was like the first thing that ever offered me like a oh I belong now. Um, so I put up with a lot of you know a lot of stuff I would no longer 
because I I didn't love myself. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't have a a home or a group. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember because I was like super into Reformed theology for a long time, and even went through like some theological training through uh, some local churches. And um, I remember like they were gonna kick me out of the program because I wasn't in community enough. Because I was like, I would like skip like my gospel community meetings like every so often, and like I didn't like it. It was like boring and stupid and fake to me. But they were gonna like just take me out of the program because I wasn't like hanging out with my church crew on a frequent enough and did basis. Did you conform? Did you start <laughs> or hanging like with attending them? or like attending? That had to be hard. Kind of yeah. Who's um, trying to like fit in and like it deals with any rejection issues? That had to have been like or social yeah, anxiety. Was, like yeah, that's almost discriminatory. Well, it was just everything I did was what caused anxiety. Um, like anything I did, because like I, you know, I. It was more that I got reprimanded because I wasn't going to church enough. Like I wasn't at enough Sunday services. Like I'd you know go, I'd like not go for two weeks or whatever. And they'd be like, you need, you know, the reformed Calvinists, like, you need yeah. to be in community, bro. Like Instead um, of, like, asking, are you okay, you know, is there anything we can do for yeah. you? Maybe you should, like, talk to somebody on the side. It's like, no, you're out of here because you're not following the rules. That, yeah. That's the um, right there. Yeah, there's been, a, there's been a handful of those in my life. Um, when I was working at a church, I got pulled aside, actually, pretty graciously, um, but they found out that I was having sex and they were, <laughs> they were actually, they were, um, actually great about it. They were like, you know, we just want to know what's going on. Like, we want to help you. Like, you're not, you're not in trouble. Like your job's not in trouble or anything like that. Um, so they actually, like, I, I respect a lot about the way that they approach that. Um, but also I was like, I don't really care. What's well, your personal <laughs> like, life. But I think my roommate snitched on me. I was going to say, did they find out because was that the time that I heard about, was it on Skype, we being blackmailed because your pants were down? No, that was totally different. I was for- fired from the church when I had the Skype blackmail scandal of uh, 2017. 2017? 2018. So this was recent. Okay. So, oh, it wasn't yeah, that long so this ago. Is, this is what, guys, right now, why I you don't send so, Wait, let's, so let's hit, let's, we let's brought hear that. Story. Yeah, we brought out that without having the story explained. So let's hear that. Well, okay, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a very embarrassing story that I tell everybody and probably should tell nobody. <laughs> but whatever, I mean, it's an open book here. Um, so I, I made a OK Cupid profile. Uh oh. Um, sometime I don't remember when this was. I think it was last year sometime. And it was like you know two o'clock in the morning. I'm just kind of like wasting time. You know, like you just kind of go through the bullshit. It's like just pretty mindless. And uh, I had like a mutual like or whatever with a girl on OkCupid, and then she messaged me a few minutes later, like super cute girl. All of her pictures were like professional, like she was like a model. And she's like, I just moved here from uh, like San Diego or some something something. We're just like exchanging info for a while. <laughs> exchanging and then info. I'll make the Is story that what you call brief. it? Well, uh, let me let me. I'll. The That's story could be told with like zero. The story could points. be told very long. Um, I'll make it very brief. Demos. Um, which I shouldn't because if I make it, if I'm, if I make it brief, it makes me sound way worse. But just for the sake of brevity, uh, was talking to this girl for a while, and then we started texting, and then she asked if I wanted to Skype, and I did, and uh, she started taking all our clothes off, 
and like masturbating and i was like okay this is cool like it was like three o'clock in the morning and i was just like i had no expectations of anything but i was like this is sweet i didn't expect my night to be I don't this have cool to log on Pornhub. like this is a win <laughs> yeah and um, stays a step and then she uh her microphone was broken so she had to type to me Oh um, boy! But then she, uh, you know, she said something along the lines of like, "I want you know, like, I want you to play along or like, you know, whatever." So I, I didn't want to stop, so I wh- whipped my dick out, and then the video, like, you know, so it's like the big video, and then the little video is yours. The big video switched to my little video, so it's just my dick in my face. <laughs> And then it, and then it, and then it, I've never gone soft that fast. And then fast. it froze. God, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Hi, <laughs> Mrs. White. And then it froze. That's a common statement and, that's um, made. Yeah. Uh, and then it just froze. And then I, and then I saw a mouse cursor Uh-oh. show up on the screen and go up into the corner and it went file, save video as. And I was like, oh my God. And then they minimized that, and then because um, it's like, it like their desktop, and then they opened up Chrome, and then they went to Facebook, and somehow they found my Facebook profile, and then they they opened up the tabs of like my nine friends and the little thing like sidebar grid thing. They opened up all their profiles. They they saved my profile picture and my cover photo, and tried to make a burner Facebook account with my name and pictures. And then they started typing to me on Skype. Now I have this video of you, and you need to pay me money, or I'm going to send this to all of your friends and family. <laughs> wow! What I want to know is how much and money I was just it? Got t- well, okay. Uh, that's another funny part of it because I was trying to. Well, I said that, and I immediately started doing Google searches, and I like frantically like, and I and I deactivated my social media. And like I, my brain just went like immediately like okay what do I do like what's the process like you know okay now what do we like what's the plan, and then I tried to talk to him and and like play it cool, and I think like the first thing I said was like lol or something like you know trying to like act trying to like act Send tough him a meme. and like you can't you can't get me, like go ahead go the fuck I'm ahead. I don't James. care you can do whatever you want, yeah, um but then they were like you know like yo you think I'm lying whatever so I was like okay how much money do you want. And they said uh, $700, I think, $800. And then I said, okay, well, if you have my Facebook open, you can look and see what I do for work. I'm a freelance filmmaker. <laughs> so that means I have $3 in my bank account. <laughs> That's like some guy getting a hostage and saying, like, I will kill you. It's like, dude, do you not know that I'm I'm nobody? Like, you, you can do whatever you want. Right. Have fun with it. It's fine. Have the $3. Yeah, well, like, imagine... What's the what's the worst profession of person that you could hold for ransom? A 2019 creative. Yeah. So what happened? Is, so like they're asking you for money, you have no money. So were they trying to bargain? Yeah. You trying to bargain with them? They're trying to bargain with you at this point? Was that? I was just trying to keep them talking while I was you know finding results on Google from like what to do, and basically it's just a scam that people in um, like the Philippines will do. It's pretty common, I and mean. if you. Yeah, it, I mean, it's happened a ton. There's happened like to Andy last week. Boards so. and Reddit, God, I wish. Reddit subs, and I would gladly pay seven hundred dollars um, for that. But uh, <laughs> basically, if you don't take the bait, then they just move on because they have forty other people to try and do this too. And they don't waste any time if you don't buy in right away. But so nobody found, found out. Some... So then you decided to go on podcast and tell everybody about it. 
<laughs> well, another thing that was okay. So this will give you. A, I mean, me talking about it now is one one example of my lack of decorum. But another will be, um, like I immediately like deactivated my Facebook and everything. But then I also immediately texted like a dozen of my friends, like, "Hey, this thing happened. There's a the video of me with a dick out. <laughs> like, be on the lookout." I'm famous. Like, I could have just taken the gamble and, like, you know, assumed that no one would actually see it. <laughs> Instead, I just voluntarily told a dozen yeah, like, people. Hey, man, I got this text from you at, like, 3, 4 in the morning. Just wondering what that was all about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, some guy from the, yeah, the Philippines was, got a uh, hold of my phone. No, that was that was pretty much, like, exactly what the response was from a lot of people. It was, like, my brother and, like, my ex-girlfriend who I was, like, really good friends with still and... You know, people that I knew I could trust and like wouldn't shame me. Nice. <laughs> thank God, thank God, I was not working at the church at the time because I probably would have died from the anxiety and fear of. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> that scenario yes. if I was still working at the church. So, are you still on OK Cupid? So yeah, <laughs> I am. But now I know. Now I know how to spot those scammers, and they still and I still get those messages sometimes, and then I just troll them and I just waste their time. And they'll like, oh, they'll, they'll even like, I'll get it all the way to like, they'll add me on Skype and I'll, and I'll be like, okay, yeah, let's go for it. And then they'll start a video and I'll be like, oh, you're cute. Can you wave? And then they'll stop the video and then they'll start a new video of somebody else. <laughs> like it's not a real video. Wait, that didn't just happen. Oops. Isn't it crazy and how then, much work goes into scams sometimes? You're like, some chick had to pre-record oh, yeah. this video. How much did they pay her? Probably Third, right. $30 and now they're getting $800 off of this video like what? do you think Insane. people actually pay though it's like one guy with like many servers just like basically bought and it's some it's some bot at this point that's just taken sure probably yeah it's like really fun. like I, I mean I'm wasting my own time too but it gives me satisfaction to waste theirs where like I'll be like oh can you wave at me and then they'll like stop the video and they'll start it again and it's someone else and I'll be like, oh, could you like write like hi James on a piece of <laughs> like stuff? Uh, you know, it's like just I could just keep them going for hours. And I feel like I'm doing my I feel like I'm doing my part for my fellow man because the more time I'm wasting for them, the less time they can get some other some other stuff. Yeah, and, and the more they get scared, the more they're like, eh, I don't know if I should. So do it's this just anymore. altruism. You're basically a hero, so we all should be thanking you right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah well if you if you spend your life never being blackmailed with a video of your dick you're yeah, welcome and so i guess you should probably teach all of us like uh basically uh how to spot these bots you know to save other people from being Ooh, that's a good and, idea and stress and anxiety well um i mean if it, if the if the language doesn't seem like what i what i originally took as um just being kind of dumb was more like uh not like uh english as secondary language like not a great command of english um but it's mostly just the like the skype like is thing. you horny like if it, if you ever <laughs> skype if you ever skype with someone you don't know on the internet make sure that the video is actually of them like make them prove it by writing something down or something like that so is, isn't that crazy that that you can be got by a video in 2019 like as much as you're a creative with photoshop and all of that dude yeah well i was so i was more embarrassed about the fact that like i fell for it like i was more embarrassed about that than like having my dick out because <laughs> i was like i, I should have seen this coming like what how did they get me 
And um, because and the thing that the thing that suckered me was the girl in the Skype video was the same girl in the pictures. And so I was like, oh, of course it's a, of course it's a, you know, a real person. Like that was my, like I had a little bit of skepticism, but I was like, okay, but if I start Skyping with her, then, and it's the same girl, then like, okay, yeah. And then we started and she like, you know, it's the same girl. And then she just like kind of had like a little smile and like waved and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So it's a real person. Wow. That's crazy because you would think that the, uh, the, the, I don't know, the scammers, whatever, you would think that they would not put that much time into actually making sure it's consistency, same chick, all that sort of stuff. Like you yeah. would just be, it was because most dudes, I got, I got got, and you're probably one of the smarter ones. Seth, Seth said, does that actually work? Of course it does. I mean, like it, they wouldn't be doing it if it, if it didn't, because or, there's tons, well, yeah, I mean, there's guys who like paying ladies online. They, they will literally, there's things they like, ha, they, they call them like, like pay, pay, dudes or i don't know what the term is but it's these rich guys they get off on literally pay sending dudes. money to these random chicks so the it, pay it, dudes yeah the, <laughs> hashtag the pay dudes <laughs> they're they're called daddies okay did you say daddies or fatties daddies well they're probably also fatties but hey i'm not discriminating to each his own uh but <laughs> <laughs> i want to start i want to start a website that's uh you know seekingarrangement.com it's like a sugar daddy website like old rich dudes can like pay women to like go out with them and you just charge them a certain percentage to host the website that's actually kind of genius well i want to make a i want to make a website like that like a sugar daddy website but for freelancers yes yes <laughs> it's like a dirty fiver yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like fiver after dark that'd be amazing yes i do like that um so before before we get off here I want to know anything else to promote. I want to. I do want to know what is what is it's huge. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. I, I could have just referenced the uh, the blackmail video for that, I guess. But um, I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Is there <laughs> link in the yeah, show notes? Link in the show. I like that. Yeah, Bitly. <laughs> I just want to know what has been the most hair pulling out experience of working at, of working with Matt Carter. Mm. You mean besides like the entirety? Yes. Of besides everything, <laughs> name something specifically. Like you want a specific one? Not I can't just say like, oh, it's that is just what it is by its nature. Is it the fact that he puts out that he's um, a genius and he's not, or what is it exactly? It's a that's a good question. He Carter and I are actually pretty similar in a lot of ways. Um. Which is which makes it there even more go. frustrating for me James. because I generally I generally don't like people that are like me. Um, but I think that it's just like getting him to pay attention, like because he'll get so like it's he'll he will he will trick you and kind of himself too, but he'll trick you into um like genuine excitement for something, but then it lasts for like maybe forty eight hours. And then you're lucky if you can get him excited about it again in like the next three years in the case of this documentary. And then and then he'll come to you eight months later and say, Hey man, how about that thing? Blah blah blah. You're like, Well, we haven't talked about it since then. He's like, Well, did you did you finish it? How's it going? And yeah. you're like, dude, we just Matt runs on enthusiasm as his main his main, you know, thing that his main skill. 
um, which I respect a lot. And that's, I'm, you know, I'm pretty similar in that regard, but like, he just, he does so many things and he's so spread thin and his enthusiasm is infectious, but then you're, then he like, he goes on to something else, but you didn't go on with him. So then you're just kind of like, Hey, do you have time to talk about this thing that you said we were going to do? I sp- I literally spent almost two years trying to figure out like if this documentary was ever going to happen, if we were ever going to do a Kickstarter. There was a rough cut of the trailer done, I think, in June of 2016. And then we did the Kickstarter in March or April of 2018. So almost two years of like, hey, when are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? When's a good time? Hey, uh, can we talk? <laughs> like, I haven't heard from you. Um, so it's been a long road, but he's a the busy, good thing busy is man. right now well, he's busy creating that Matt life that he pumped. he likes to live. You know, I'm just all about creating that lifestyle yeah. that I like to live. You know, creating my own destiny. <laughs> mm-hmm. But right now, Matt is pumped on the dock, so that's why I'm here, and that's why I'm leveraging every second that I'm in Seattle because he is excited. Awesome. Well, we're, well, we're excited, excited too. About it. We're yeah. we're very excited. I yeah, I, I can't wait to I see am it. Too. It feels a lot better right now than it did a week ago, just because like we've you know we it's dove in and we're we're through you know x amount of hours of tape and we're coming up with ideas and like we have a story and you know like it just feels good feels like oh yeah we're we're doing it we're in it we're in you the feel mud good now. man juicy j it's been great talking to you seriously <laughs> you've been a lot of fun um been very open sharing we learned we learned a lot today i could say um you, you probably saved some Guy just put there. my name on the episode <laughs> as Juicy J and not James Whiteman so that it doesn't come up in Google searches and <laughs> ruin my future career prospects. Wait, well, anything you do want to promote while you're here, other than obviously you're working on the doc again, super excited about that. There's That's moving forward, but any and that's, personal is projects. Is it film, James? Yeah. That's just a like a landing page, splash page that will take you to the Kickstarter. Um, but that's an easy URL. I don't know what the Kickstarter URL is. So what else you want to promote? Your next um, project's in Atlanta, I know. And so, um, yeah, if you're in a, if you're in the Atlanta area, um, you can try and find me on social or whatever. Keep a lookout because we're going to be starting a, a co-living, co-working, um, creative house space with a you know venue, events, community. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Is everyone um, welcome? Like, have be, any backgrounds and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. You have to oh, send yeah. a video, yeah. uh, a Skype video in to be. It's not a Skype. It's not a specific <laughs> film thing, and it's not a specific Christian thing. James, would a you accept a, a creat- Trump voter? Creativity. I would accept anybody, man. Aww, Most of my family is Trump voters, yeah. especially I'll, down I'll there. Right you're gonna get a lot of that. <laughs> cool. There you go. Um, I'm trying to think of actual plugs. Um, We'll have an episode coming out on Bad Christians soon with uh, me and Justice Stout, who runs a nonprofit that uh, has partnered with us um, in the making of the doc. Very cool. And they're gonna, they're gonna, they're trying to do some fundraising um, on our behalf. Uh, so when that comes out, pay attention to that because that'll be the start of whatever. I don't exactly know the details of that, but 
some chance for people to give us their money, <laughs> which is always well. It's obviously to to a good great. cause, and uh, you know what would Jesus sell is the documentary again. James, thank you for coming on and uh, you know, giving us the whole scoop on OK Cupid, your your dick, and uh, all things creative, man. We really appreciate you uh, coming on our podcast. Yeah, this is great. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, any, Thanks, anytime, man. man. Anytime. Enjoy the rest of your day. Tell Dan said. See you soon. Fade to Gray family, you are no stranger to my boy Chad Johnson, and he knows something that you don't. Because if you're paying too much for your auto, home, life, or small business insurance without having your own agent you can trust to advise you correctly, then you are not living your best life. Insurance agent Chad Johnson has multiple companies to offer in these products and is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, and Iowa. All these places where Tornado Alley is, you know, it's tornado season, you're going to need insurance. Call or text message him at 417-421-2925 for a no obligation quote on any of your insurance needs. Again, call or text message Chad Johnson at 417-421-2925. You've heard him on the podcast. You know he's a great guy. He's going to take care of you. Call him today.